Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. For his coming, that the light of the world would come into our hearts and into others' hearts. But it would be remiss of me not to talk about the significant events that have happened this week. Uh, The nation has decided, the votes have been cast, the decision is made, and we're stuck with it. (laughs) I am, of course, talking about Strictly. (laughs) What are their names? Kelvin and Oti. (laughs) Well done, Kelvin and Oti. I'm not going to talk about the uh, general election or anything like that this morning. Uh, I thought I'd just start off with that little bit of fun. Of course, we're talking about you are the light of the world. And we've been talking the last couple of weeks about Jesus being the light of the world and his words that declared, I am the light of the world. And this morning, just want to recap on that, but also turn it around a little bit and talk about the words of Jesus where he spoke to us and actually said, you are the light of the world. And I'd like us just to, if we turn to the next slide, I'd like us just to actually read this out together because this is the great incarnation passage in scripture, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I'd like to read this out. And of course, we know, don't we, that the word we're talking about here is Jesus Christ. The word is Jesus. So God had something he needed to say to the world. And he spoke the name of Jesus and Jesus was born. Yes. So Jesus is the word of God. Everything he wants to communicate to us, he wrapped up. In this baby and this man, Jesus Christ. So let's read this together, shall we? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling with us. The word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling with us. That is the Christmas miracle. The Christmas miracle is the Godhead became flesh and made his dwelling with us. He became one of us. God became flesh and bones. That's why we call it the incarnation. There's carne, meat. It's where we get carnivore from. Carne, he became flesh. God became embodied in Jesus Christ and made his dwelling among us. He didn't just appear. He made his dwelling among us. God was with us in a very significant way. God with us. Emmanuel, the incarnation. You know, there's that saying, isn't there, that before you judge a man, walk a mile in his steps. Well, Jesus did that. God did that. He walked in our steps. There's that song, isn't there? He walked where I walk. He stood where I stand. He felt what I feel. He understands. That's the Jesus that we worship. He came. He walked among us. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. That's the miracle of Christmas. That's the miracle of the incarnation, that God made his dwelling among us, that he might save us. Light came into the world. 
But there was nothing physical. You know, you think, right, so God has become a man. What did he look like? You think, well, maybe Brad Pitt? <laughs> maybe a Hollywood movie star? Maybe an incredible, you know, some of these gods that you see pictures of gods with a small G, these sort of things with animal heads and uh, huge bodies, things like that. Well, no, because the Bible tells us there was nothing physically that distinguished him from any of us. He really became one of us. John says, though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. They didn't see him as any different to anybody else through his physical appearance. He wasn't beautiful. He wasn't good looking. It's quite a relief, isn't it, for us? He wasn't of noble birth. He didn't appear like that. He was in a stable. Isaiah puts it like this. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. He was really ordinary looking. That's what the Bible tells us. I, I don't know, do we? we? I mean, some of those pictures make him look amazing, flaxen-haired, beautiful man. But, you know, the reality is the Bible tells us he was, just, he was one of us. He would have just fitted and blended in here. And from how he looked alone, you wouldn't have known him any different from any of us. But, says John, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. The thing that distinguished him above all else was in him was life. He was the author of life. In him was life. This was a man who really lived. This was a man who was joyful. This was a man who was all things that you might want to be in terms of the way you want to live your life. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. Isaiah tells us he was anointed above his companions with the oil of joy. What does that mean? That means above everybody else that he went around with, above all the people, he was the most joyful of everybody. The thing that distinguished him was he had life because he was the author of life. And remember, Jesus Christ came and he said, I have come. Why has he come? That you might have life and have it in all its fullness. You know, Christianity gets a bad rap sometimes, but it's all about life. It's all about joy. It's all about fullness. It's all about Jesus Christ in us. Yes? That's what I have come that you may have life and have it in all its fullness. The miracle of Christmas is life had come into the world. And that life was the light of men. And that's why we say light of the world has come. Because that life was the light of men. That's what attracted men to him. Life. And when you see people that are full of joy, you want to be with them. And that's what Jesus was like. We go to the next slide. This uh, is a rendezvous in Uganda. Uh, Amri and I, several years ago now, I don't know if Mark's in the audience, is he? Mark was with us. Um, In the audience, sorry, I don't mean audience. Congregation, in the family. Yeah, so we went to Uganda to sort of help build a school there. Um, And Amri and I, we we went into the deepest, darkest sort of bush, you know, and it was really dark. And we were late, so we arrived really late. And they said, don't worry, you've got your little rendezvous. You've got a place that you can stay. Very sort of basic, but it was nice, you know. And don't worry, we've we've turned the light on for you. Um, And if you notice very carefully this, you can see at the bottom of the door, this rendezvous, they've put some sort of barrier at the bottom of the door to stop anything nasty going in. And James and Julie will know. 
that, um, you know, they had the light on and the light had been on for several hours in this place and there was no barrier in the bottom of the door and Amri arrived and I arrived in this place and every single insect for like three miles around had seen this light and had gone under that door and was inhabiting our bedroom our little rendezvous and it was awful and the only way you could get to the bed was to crunch on top of them as you sort of walked along it was it was awful it's the one time that I've sort of seen Amory saying you know I'm a Christian get me out of here you know (laughs) because every single insect had been attracted to the light but light is attractive isn't it life is attractive when you see people and that's what Jesus was like it wasn't what he looked like it was who he was He was life. And without him, there really was darkness. He came into a world of darkness. And he came as light. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And we here, if we are believers... If you're a believer today, you have the light of life within you. Yeah, because Jesus said you are the light of the world. And that's what I want to come to. The Bible tells us the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Joy to the world. I'm so pleased we started with that. Because joy to the world. Jesus is joy to the world. Because the light had come. The darkness was banished. Hope had arrived in Jesus Christ. I am the light of the world, says Jesus in John 9. But the full sentence is quite interesting. He says, while I am with you, I am the light of the world. It's interesting, isn't it? While I am with you. I am the light of the world. And Jesus came and his life was the light of men. But he said, while I'm with you, I am the light of the world. So look around. Is this all we've got left then? Now that Jesus has resurrected and gone to the Father's side, has light of the world gone? (laughs) Well, he said, while I'm with you, I'm the light of the world. Is this all we've got left? The fairy lights of Christmas to celebrate that light was once on the earth. No, of course not. Because in Matthew 5.14, Jesus said in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, he said, actually, you, he was talking to his believers, he was talking to those who were following him, you are the light of the world. Yeah, light hasn't disappeared now that Jesus has gone to be with the Father. Light is here, and I can see it in you guys, and I'm not being silly there I can see it I see it in Christians I see it in believers you are the light of the world and that's what I want to talk about this morning you are the light of the world a city on a hill cannot be hidden says Jesus and I want to talk about three things very briefly you are the light of the world your light is growing you are being transformed this is a story this is what the Bible tells us And finally, just let your light shine. So what can we do about letting our light shine that Jesus has given us? So the first thing is, you are the light of the world. Jesus didn't say here, be the light of the world. That's why I've underlined the R. He didn't say, become the light of the world. He didn't say, try to be the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. 
Literally, the sentence means to exist. It literally means to be. You are, you exist as the light of the world. You are, there is no doubt about it. You are the light of the world. However dim you think your light may be, that's your place in the world as the light of the world. That's what he was saying. And in fact, when he talks about world, he's not talking about the globe. He's talking about the world of men, that word means. Society. You are the light of society. You are the light of the society, the bit of society that you inhabit, says Jesus. It hasn't all gone the light. It's not just a few fairy lights. It's us, the church, the body of Christ. You are the light of the world. It's not something we do. It's something we are. Because we are new creations in Christ. You are the light of the world. Get that in your hearts. You are the light of the world. Out of you shines light. Whether you believe it or not, whether you think it happens or not, whether you think it's dim and I'm never going to shine any light anywhere, out of you shines light. Because it's the light of the life of Christ that indwells you. And I want to say this, because of Christians... The world, the world of men, society, is a brighter place. Because of Christians, society is a brighter place. Because of Christians following their calling, following their faith, society has been transformed. You know, the church, I I looked up a few sort of facts, and most of these I managed to um, uh, confirm on Wikipedia, which isn't the most Christian-friendly site. So... uh, the church is the largest provider of health care and education in the world, particularly, particularly in poorer countries. The first hospitals were built by Christians. Light in society. All monasteries had to have a school and a hospital. By the mid-1500s, over 37,000 hospitals were run by Benedictine monks. Mid-1500s. The names of many hospitals give away the faith base of how they were founded. You know, St. Luke's, St. Bart's, St. Thomas's. We could add more. In France, the name for hospital is Hotel de Dieu, which with my non-GCSE French is Hotel of God, you know, Hostel of God. That's the foundation of hospitals. So many of them built by Christians who wanted to care for those needy in society. I was in India a few weeks ago, and you know, just anecdotally, I don't even know if it's a fact, but this is what they said to me, and they were taking me around um, um, a site where we were looking at uh, some technology campuses. And they were saying, you know, on these campuses, they have hospitals, and they have schools, and they have education facilities. And they just said to me, off the cuff, they just said, you know, the thing is, the only schools we had around here and the only hospitals were the ones that were built by the Christians. And we, uh, you know, we needed to build these for ourselves. I was like, wow, this is in India. You know, because of Christians following their faith, light comes into the world because we are light to the world. The UN Declaration of Human Rights, I'm going to go on. The UN Declaration of Human Rights was built on Christian principles to the extent that it, uh, some Muslim states said it contravenes Sharia law. It's built on Christian principles. So many influential charities created by Christians outworking their faith, bringing light into dark places. The abolition of slavery driven by a Christian, we know this. The NSPCC, founded by a Christian. Save the Children, founded by a Christian. The original Red Cross, founded by a Christian. Bernardo's, founded by a Christian. The Samaritans, founded by a Christian. Even the RSPCA, founded by two Christians. 
Amnesty International, founded by two Christians. Prison reform, driven by Christians. Factory reform, driven by Christians. The invention of Braille, a Christian. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Without you, there's darkness. You are the light of the world. This is how we change society. I could go on and on, but this is his his plan, that we bring light into dark places. And, you know, we've got this opportunity with the hampers, which is so fantastic. And that's the outworking of our calling as light to the world. Just bringing light, bringing relief, bringing salvation to the dark areas that need it. You might say, well, you know, you're making me feel guilty now because my my light doesn't really shine very brightly. Well, we're not all called to found international charities, okay? (laughs) But we do each carry our piece of light into our bit of society. And that's what Jesus said. You are the light of your bit of society that you inhabit. Whether it's at the supermarket, at work, at the job centre whether it's with friends, with family, down the pub, at the cafe, you carry light. That's what he said. You are the light in your bit of society, whether it's on social media, the places, the chat rooms you inhabit, you bring the light of God into those places. The places that you inhabit in society, says Jesus, you bring the light. You might not even see the light that you're shining. You know, we often don't. And I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. And it's not because it's me, but it's the only example I know of because it's me. Um, But, you know, at one of my friend's weddings, I was the best man, really nervous. You know, there's a bit of worship. And we know worship at weddings isn't always the most transformational, but it was a nice time of worship. Um, And a few few, um, months later, one of the bridesmaids became a Christian. And the reason she became a Christian, she said, was that at the wedding, she saw me worshipping. And it's not because it's me, I'm not saying that, but I don't, you don't know the light that you're shining. She saw me worshipping and said, there has to be a God. Because of the way that person's worshipping. Now, she saw lots of other people worshipping as well. But that's what she said to me. Um, and that's what I found out. We don't know the light that we're shining, okay? So, don't, so get over yourself and believe it. You are the light of the world. Um, I was talking to somebody at work uh, a couple of years ago and they said to me, um, do you know that when, you, when we're chatting and you join the group, the conversation changes? I said, no. And he said, yeah, it's really bad language before you join. And then when you join, the language changes. <laughs> now, it's all about, you know, that's, we don't see the light that we're shining. Another slightly risque one. I was in Frankfurt Airport with a group of um, my work colleagues all men, and they said, oh, there's this sex shop, you know, really good one, down uh, in Frankfurt Airport. We've got the, the flights are delayed. Why don't we go to this sex shop? And they're about eight. And of course, I just said, no, I'm not. You know, everybody's going, oh, yeah, 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 let's go. And I just said, well, I'm not going to go. I'm not talking about them. I just said, well, I'm, I'm not going to go. And then another person said, um, oh, yeah, I'm not going to go either. And then another person said, I'm not going to go. And in the end, everybody said, oh, I'm not going to go. <laughs> Praise God! You know, so th- this, is, this is the sort of light that we bring without even realising it. Because we are bringing the light and the life of Christ into our part of society. You might be just a little barely lit light, but look at the Christmas lights. 
You know, they're all made of tiny little lights, aren't they? But they're beautiful together. They're beautiful together. So this is why it's important that we don't withdraw from society. Yeah, Don't withdraw from going down the pub, but make sure you take the light with you. You know, with, Don't withdraw, but take the light of Jesus. And when we're in the place God has placed us, in the bit of society where he has put us, we are the light of the world. And it's incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. Let's have a look at the next slide. Can you see that? That is the UK, yes? From the International Space Station, taken by Tim Peake. Yeah? Without those lights, it would be complete darkness, actually, on the globe. Yeah, but the only thing you can see are the lights, and they define, as you can see, the shape of the UK. Now, every single one of them is tiny, really. You know, that's basically street lights. A few street lights, a few headlights, a few house lights. But you can see London is just so glowing. Let it be so, Lord. But you can see the outline of the UK from the International Space Station, from a few street lamps, and, well, not a few, a lot of street lamps. The combination, the combined lights of every single one of us in the place where God has put us reveals Jesus to the world. It's not your calling to you know, reveal Jesus to everybody, necessarily. But it is your calling to be light in your part of society and it reveals the image of Jesus to the world. The Bible puts it this way. Now you are the body of Christ and every one of you is a part. You know, when I walked into the King's Church in the old town as an unchurched 16-year-old, never been to church before, Stuart Reed was preaching, those of you that remember him. I didn't understand a word of it. Honest truth, I didn't understand a word of it. Couldn't understand why you had to listen to the person for 45 minutes. Sorry, everyone. And, uh, and not put your hand up and ask questions. because it was. But I saw a congregation worshipping. And I walked out and I knew God was alive. Yeah. And it wasn't because of one particular person. It was because in the congregation... In the family of God, together, I saw the face of Jesus. You know, I saw the reality of God. And what I'm saying is we've all got little lights. We're not, none of us are superstars in shining our lights. But as every single one of us goes into our place of society and we shine the light that Jesus has given us, we reveal Jesus. And that's what I saw when I walked into church. It wasn't one person, it was everyone together. So no matter how... Bright your light is, he does shine through you. 2 Corinthians 2, one of my favourite verses of the Bible, puts it this way. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. If you're a believer this morning, through us... Through you, the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ is spread. And that's why we mustn't withdraw from society. We've got to be part of society because that's how we shed the light and the fragrance of Christ. I'm just going to pray and then we're going to move on. Just pray with me. Lord, we thank you that your word is truth. 
And your word tells us that we are lights in a dark world. And your word tells us that we, through us, you spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. So we pray that you'd shine through us. You'd shine through us in whatever place of society we hold. And your truth and your love and your grace and the wonderful joy of Jesus would be known through each one of us. Amen. Amen. The second thing I want to say is, your light is growing. So this is good news for those of us that think, oh dear, I'm only a little fairy light. You know, your light is growing. Let's go to the next slide. We reflect him with ever-increasing glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18. We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. I'm only saying the scripture here. This is the truth. We believe the word is truth. And this is the truth about your walk with God. That we who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. And if there are three words I would like to speak over everybody this morning, including myself, it would be ever-increasing glory. Ever-increasing glory. That is the promise of Scripture. He is at work in your life, and there is ever-increasing glory to him through you. That's the truth. He has not finished with you yet. We are being transformed into his likeness. This is for all of us. With ever increasing glory. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how educated you are, how uneducated you are, how rich or how poor you are, how long you've been a Christian. He is at work in your life transforming you with ever increasing glory to be like Jesus. That is what the scripture says. And he has not finished with you. And I think there are some people, you know, perhaps myself included actually sometimes, who think, well, Lord, I've been on this journey quite a long time. You know, what, are you going to do any more in my life? The promise of God is he has not finished with you. He is even now transforming you in his time frames, in his time frames, in his way. He is transforming us with ever increasing glory, ever increasing glory. Let's get hold of that because that's what he's doing is he's working in our lives to transform us. God is committed to making you more like Christ and he will not stop. He will not stop. He will bring you to completion, says the word of God. He will bring to completion the work that he started in you. He is committed to doing it and he is doing it even now, transforming you to be more like him. That word, you know, has been coming to me quite a lot, actually, while we've been worshipping over the last few weeks. He is Hebrews. He is able to save completely those who come to him. He is able to save completely those who come to him. He has not given up on you. He is able to save you completely. There is no bit that he is saying is beyond him. There is no part where he's saying you're 80% done and I can't do the rest. He is committed to bringing you to completion. He will complete the work that is done. He is able to save completely. There is no part of you that is not unsaved. There's not saved, sorry. There is no part of you that is not saved. And I really mean that. Get that in your hearts. That God is able to save you completely. You are not beyond the pale. You are not beyond hope. You're not embedded in this lifestyle or this habit that will continue forever until you die. That is not the truth. 
The truth is he's able to save you completely because he is committed to you and he is transforming you day after day after day. It's a work of God. So put your hand in his hand and trust him that he's doing it even now. You see, the work of transformation is where Father God transfers the attributes of Jesus to us. That's the work of transformation. And we are being transformed. The attributes of Jesus, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He transfers those to us. But more than that, he transfers his attributes his authority. This is what transformation is about. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. Here's the authority. I'm transferring my authority to you. He gives us authority as Christians. He says, I am the light of the world. And then he says, oh, you are the light of the world. He transfers the attribute to us. He says, I am the bread of life. Then he says, doesn't he, feed my sheep. He transfers that to his people. He says, I am the Christ, and then you are the body of Christ. That's the work of transformation of the church, is God transferring his attributes to us. And our job is to believe it and walk in it. Yep. Yes, I am the light. I am the light of the world. Goodness me, Lord. I am the light of the world, because you told me that in my bit of society, I am the light. Yes, I have authority. You told me I have authority as a believer to bind and loose, to release things. Lord, I have authority. This is my job to walk in this. I am being transformed. I do spread throughout my bit of society the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. I carry you into society. So, you are the light of the world. You are growing brighter. You are being transformed. He is committed to doing that in your life. So my final bit is, well, well, how do I shine brighter? If we are the light of the world, how do I shine brighter? This Christmas, you know, how do, I, how do I do it? How do I bring your light into situations, Lord? Well, the next slide, let's just have a look at this. You tell I'm into astronomy and stuff like that. Um, anybody know what this is? Um, that's the moon, I'll give you a clue. That's the moon, the big one. <laughs> what's the little one venus. venus thank you who said that that was uh, yeah well done rob um yeah it's venus and you know venus is uh, you know at night it's the it's the second brightest thing in the sky just apart from the moon obviously and if the moon's uh not not in the sky venus will sh- shine a shadow will cast a shadow on the earth because it's that bright and why is venus so bright i want us to say a few examples few lessons from this why is venus so bright in the night sky Because, number one, it's covered in a reflective surface. Now, Venus has a white cloud, pure white cloud, covering the whole of its surface, never, ever gone. It's always there. I can't remember what it's made of, methane or something. But it has a hugely reflective surface. So that's why it's so bright in the night sky. Second thing is, it's really close to the sun. Much closer to the sun than we are on the Earth, okay? So it's close to the sun. And the third thing is, There is no impurity in that covering of Venus. Never has any other clouds on it, never any darkness or anything like that. It's just white, pure, total covering, close to the sun. 
So three things I just want to get, get through on this for us. If we want to reflect the Lord's glory, be a good reflector like Venus. Be a good reflector. Get rid of impurities. If you want to reflect God and bring light, his light, into the world, then get rid of impurities. Repent. Repent. You know, you don't hear so often, you know, we say from the pulpit, repent. But repent. Get clean. Reflect him more. Okay? And let God deal with those areas in our lives that aren't glorifying to him and have darkness. You'll reflect him better. Like Venus, get closer to the light source. You want to reflect God? Get closer to him. Sounds to reason, really, doesn't it? You want to bring his light into situations and circumstances? Well, read a bit of scripture. Pray. Bring him in as you, as you enter rooms and enter your parts of society. Just pray and ask him to come in. Get closer to the light source and you'll reflect him more. And the third thing is, you know, there's no... There's, there's that covering around Venus is, is complete. There's no blackness about it. And I want to say this, you know, unveil your face. And this is actually, I think, the hardest. Unveil your face. What do I mean? We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. You've got to unveil your face. What does that mean? Take the covering away from your face. And what do I mean by that? This is hard. Be known for who you are as a believer. Be known for who you are. Commit yourself to saying, I'm going to be honest about who I am. It doesn't mean you have to be a huge evangelical you know, superstar. It just means when people ask, you say, yes, I go to church. Or, yeah, I believe in miracles. Or, I believe in the power of prayer. Be known for who you are. Unveil our faces. And this, honestly, I find this the hardest. Uh, just to be open about who I am sometimes in certain circumstances. Unveil our faces. And in that way, the, the, the glory of the Lord, the light of the Lord will be reflected through you. Be who you are and don't hide. Last thing. So we've said get rid of impurities, get closer to the light source and unveil your face. Last thing and then we'll, we'll end. I couldn't get away from as I was preparing this that the word of God and light are synonymous in scripture. You know, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and that was the light of the world. The word is the light. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word brings light. The word became flesh and was the light of men. The entrance of your word, says Psalm 119, brings light. The entrance of your word brings light. And, you know, if we want to bring the light of God, this is just a challenge, really, into our parts of society, into our families, into the areas we inhabit, let's look to bring the word of God into those situations because the entrance of his word brings light. And you know what? If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, as we bring the word of God into situations you know, maybe there'll be a kernel or a seed of faith that's planted in people's lives. So don't neglect the word of God. Don't neglect the word of God this Christmas. 
bring the word of God into situations because the entrance of his word brings light. That's what the word says. We illuminate and we reveal him and maybe even plant seeds of faith. So things like, I don't know, I was trying to think of examples of what you might do. Well, well, when we're giving out the hampers is a good one. But maybe you're asked to say grace at Christmas table or something like that. You could just say grace, say thank you Lord for this lovely food. Or you could bring the word in. You could say thank you Lord that your word tells us that you have come that we may have life and have it in all its fullness. And thank you Lord that this table, Christmas table, is just one example of that fullness. Amen. And believe that the entrance of his word brings light. And maybe that plants a seed of faith in somebody sitting there. Maybe we say, God, Father, thank you for this food. Thank you that you so love the world that you gave your son, Jesus Christ. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Amen. Yeah, but, but it brings the word of God in. And I'm only saying what the scripture says, which is the entrance of his word brings light. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So that's my challenge to you this Christmas is, look for opportunities to bring his word in, because the entrance of his word brings light. And I'd like to challenge us, actually, when we do the hampers, that we might look for opportunities to be able to do that. Amen. Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.com.